Hello and welcome to the Uplander Podcast, the podcast for bird hunting enthusiasts and bird dog lovers. I'm Jerry Tagestead, and this is the debut episode, Sharp Tales. One of my earliest memories is walking through a morning alfalfa field flanked by my uncles and my dad. The damp alfalfa tangling around my tennis shoes, a single shot 20 in my cold hands, anticipating the thrilling flush of a covey. So excited to collect my first bird, I distinctly recall the crushing disappointment when my uncle gently pointed out that the bird I just fired at was a meadowlark. Luckily, not surprisingly, I missed. I don't remember my first sharp-tailed grouse, but I still get a thrill when I think of the sight and the sound of a covey flushing into the Dakota sky, their staccato wing beats carrying them into the distance until they eventually merge with the horizon. Choosing your favorite bird is like selecting a favorite child. They all have their individual attributes that you love, but it's impossible to pick one. However, I have to admit a deep admiration for the sharp tail. Their flight, their shape, their sound, their history, their authenticity. To me, they are the prairie. Despite my fondness for Latin, I won't attempt all the subspecies names. Sharptails belong to a genus that includes seven subspecies of grouse and the greater and lesser prairie chickens. Supposedly, the Native Americans referred to sharptails as fire grouse because of their reliance on brush fires to keep their habitat open. I've never heard them called such. However, perhaps as a result of their importance to humans throughout history, they have more names than I've ever heard for a single species. Spike tails, spotted chicken, pointed tails, pintailed, white-bellied, speckle-bellied, white-breasted, blackfoot, willow grouse, white grouse, prairie grouse, prairie hen, prairie chicken, fool hen, wild chicken, and just plain chicken. So about these seven subspecies, the New Mexican sharptail is extinct, but the northern, northwestern, Alaskan, Columbia, Prairie, and Plains sharptails still exist and can be hunted in a dozen states, including Alaska and five Canadian provinces, ranging up to the Arctic Circle. Though the subspecies have evolved to tolerate a wide variety of habitat types, from the edges of boreal forest to sagebrush steppe, there is one common factor for the success of sharptail. Open space. Sharptail grouse gather each year on leks to perform their mating ritual. The males perform a mesmerizing dance, wheeling and spinning, stamping their feet, wings outstretched in a graceful arc. To this day, if you go to a Native American powwow on the plains, you will see this dance emulated. The female grouse crouch inconspicuously in the short grass surrounding the dancing grounds, appearing aloof, but ultimately selecting the mate with the flashiest dance. Nest sites are usually chosen within a mile of the lek, and a first egg is laid between one and three days after mating, clutches averaging 12 eggs in final count. In the case of nest failure, the hens will re-nest, which is good considering the nest rate is about 50% across their range. The olive buff to pale brown eggs are incubated by the female, and 25 days later, the downy young leave the nest to forage on their own. Within a week, the chicks can fly. That is, if all goes well. But... As with most gallinaceous birds that have evolved to lay many eggs, it doesn't always go well. While the loss of habitat is by far the greatest threat to grouse, and all wild critters for that matter, predation by fox, skunk, badger, coyote, crows, even snakes can cause nesting failure. 
And if the hen is lucky enough to hatch the eggs, the first few weeks of the chick's life are perilous indeed. The same predators that are interested in raiding the nest are on the hunt for tender chicks. And then there's rain. Rainfall events at the wrong time can result in wholesale chick die-off. And predators are more successful in killing adults after rain due to enhanced scenting conditions. So on one hand, rain before nesting season can result in better cover. On the other hand, rain during nesting season can be devastating. I grew up hunting sharptails, but I've lived out west, far west, for 25 years. I decided to get an informed opinion on hunting sharptails, so I called Craig Armstrong, bird hunting enthusiast and friend. So, Craig, you're my sharptail expert. I have a few questions. Let's start with this one. How does sharptail hunting differ from early season to late? Well, early season, of course, there's a lot of young birds, and they're pretty naive. They can be really easy. I mean, you can get up to multiple flushes standing in one spot. And as the season progresses, birds mature, and whatever changes their habits, they just start getting harder to get to. But one thing I want to mention, and a lot of people don't talk about this, is that even late season, they can be pretty easy to get. And what I find is that weather conditions make a huge difference. If you have a mild, sunny day with very little wind, fairly warm day, late October, early November, 70 degrees, uh, the sun is shining and the wind's not blowing, I'd hunt sharp tail in a heartbeat. So does that work in the other direction? Say it's uh, late September, early October, and it's windy and rainy and cold and wet, I might say forget it. I'm not even going to try. And a lot of that, I believe, is where they spend their time during those conditions, like in the rainy, cold, wet conditions, where you'll find those sharp tails is in the lightest cover you can find, shortest, thinnest cover, tops of the hills. A lot of times you'll see them grouped in these areas, like flat with real short grass, and that's where they spend their time when it's wet. They get out of the cover, just like pheasants. They get up in that open stuff, and you just can't get close to them. And when they fly, they usually fly out of sight. You have someone like your brother there who will pull out a pair of binos out of his pack and follow the covey, you're not going to even see where they go. Your chances are so slim on a day like that. What about very late season? Even in damn December, if it's a nice day, it's not windy, and the sun is shining, there's a fair chance that you'll be able to get up to them. Does hunting pressure really change their behavior? A lot of people say, you know, they've been pressured, you know, and after they get pressured more, they, you know, they get spooky. Well, uh, that, I'm, I'm sure that's certainly true, but it's, it's not necessarily always the case because a lot of the birds that I hunt, nobody else hunts. And I may go in there once or twice in the early season and then go back in there later in the season, a month later, if the conditions are wrong, you're not going to get anywhere near them. I seriously think that weather conditions make more difference than anything else. What about time of day? Early in the day and late in the evening, you know, right when the sun's coming up and going down, when they're moving around, feeding and gritting and changing from their day loaf to their night roosting spot and they're moving around, it can be really difficult to get close to. I like to get out there like 9, 10 o'clock after they've fed, after they've gritted, and they're in their day loaf spot and kind of settled in and then go out and go after them. A gentleman's bird, as your dad would say.
On an October day in Botno County, my older brother and I headed out with Dad for an afternoon pursuit of birds. This was the early 90s, and I'd been working in Alaska and traveling around the West, riding mountain bike, camping, fishing. Upland hunting hadn't been a big part of my life for quite a few years, but I'd returned to North Dakota for the fall. I remember being excited by the prospect of pursuing birds, like a genetic imperative reawakened after several years in remission. Dad wanted to hunt for Huns, which is being a little bit contrary in the northern plains. Surely there are lots of Hungarian partridge, but most of them are harvested when hunters are walking for sharp tails or driving to the next pheasant cover, or as I distinctly recall several times in my youth, walking back to the truck from the goose decoy layout. We did find Huns that day, as well as a few rare Botno County pheasants, but the most memorable part of the hunt was late in the day, and it involved sharp tails. We decided to hunt a brushy coulee flanked by hayfields and wheat stubble. My brother Al and I started on one end of the coulee while Dad drove to the far end and let out his springer, Joey. As he was unloading, a few sharp tails got up wild and flew into a patch of chokecherry on the edge of the coulee. Then another three or four birds did the same, then another handful. Without speaking, we all knew what to do. We walked towards the chokecherry thicket and converged on it, Dad barely keeping Joey at heel. When we had the thicket surrounded, he sent in the dog and the sharp tails began flushing, one, two, three at a time, coming out fast and scattering in all directions. The shooting was steady for several exciting minutes. With the help of the dog, we gathered up birds, trying to recall each swing and shot, the adrenaline making it hard to keep the events properly ordered in time. I remember the weighty bulk of their warmth filling my game vest, walking the two-track back to the truck, with my dad and brother beside me while the sun painted the clouds crimson, happily talking and laughing in a complete comfortable oneness with each other, with the prairie, and with the wild birds that have always called it home. It's, I've always had a hard time picking favorites on any of that. You know, like, what's your favorite bird to shoot? And I've been kind of a, well, I love the one I'm with kind of guy. You know, whatever the hell I'm hunting, I'm fine. The older I get, the more I just love hunting sharp tail. They live in beautiful country, gorgeous country. For a guy who likes to take big walks, you know, um, not as big as your brother's, but big walks and, like, to see a big running pointing dog, you couldn't ask for better. And you can see the dog at short grass and, and then they're a native bird, and I think if they're not number one on the list for eating, they're way up there close. They're delicious. Sharp tails and eggs. Waking to the smell of coffee, you lay in bed, a relaxed smile on your face. You've enjoyed the sleep of a hunter. Good sleep, legs weary and the mind at ease, the sight and sound of flushing sharp tails crowding your dreamscape. You make your way to the kitchen and open the refrigerator door, and there are yesterday's clean birds in a bowl of cool water. The young sharp-tail breasts, deep red ovals, appearing more like beef than bird. Taking down the cast iron pan that is nearly as old as the farmhouse, a number 10 Griswold, perhaps. You light the burner on the stove, pat some sharp-tail dry, sprinkle with salt and pepper, and lay them in the oiled pan with a couple eggs, flipping them once as the dog shifts in his bed. Plate in hand, coffee in the other, you settled in for the finest bite in the wild world. Epilogue. My wife and I boarded a train in Minot, North Dakota, traveling back to eastern Washington. 
We had returned to the plains for my grandmother's funeral, a bittersweet celebration of her 90 years on the prairie. The January day dawned clear and cold, and the dazzling landscape outside the train window was softened with fresh snow, the accumulations from a heavy winter covered with a blanket of vivid white. Gazing out the train window, a graceful form in the distance caught my eye. The punctuated cadence of the flapping, the warm curvature of the wings when it glided, struck something primal in me. I saw one, then another, then many more arcing away from the train and flying over the brilliant white landscape. Wild sharp-tail doing what they've always done, thriving while the world turns about them. Thank you, Chatham County Line, for the lead-in and ending music. And thank you for tuning in. Subscribe to get the next episodes. Until then, keep your powder dry.